Saturday Night at the Bragg is a horror podcast. It contains graphic language and depictions of violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet lonely death is a thankless task. The end of all things to come and to come and pass. Part 1 October 1975 As the tires of their primer-coated Camaro left the blacktop and hit the dirt road, they had no idea this would be the last trip they ever took in that old car, at least altogether anyhow. And how could they? The three of them had rattled down Bragg Road, fueled on leaded gas and cheap beer dozens of times before, and no one had died a gruesome death. Hell, not a single one of them had seen even the faintest glow of the infamous Bragg light. But sometimes, all it takes is the right conditions. Sometimes when those conditions are met, you can catch a glimpse of that veil between our world and the other one, their world. And sometimes, that veil gets a little bit thinner. I think it wouldn't be sick. Emery leaned up from the back seat, craning his neck out the passenger window, hoping a little fresh night air might do him some good. Elizabeth scooted toward the dashboard, barely hanging on the edge of the passenger seat. Emery, I swear to God, if you puke on me... Every damn time. Daryl shook his head and laid on the horn, startling Emery back inside the car. You better not be thinking about hurling down the side of my car. Daryl and his daddy had built the engine in that old car themselves. It was his pride and joy, and despite its looks, it would get up and go. It was all he had left of his old man, that and the dog tags hanging from the rearview mirror. His daddy made it back from the war, and the only souvenir he brought home had been a chest full of Agent Orange. You better pull over then, Emery puffed out his cheeks. Just hold it. We're almost at the end of the road. There's the depot now. Up ahead on the right was a field full of concrete rubble and gnarled rebar clawing upward like arthritic fingers on decaying hands. Piles of rotted lumber where once stood the official train depot for the city of Bragg. 
What was originally constructed to be the hub of the region's rail corridor, a bustling center of commerce and prosperity, had itself fallen victim to the sickness what seemed to claim this land. Don't be mean. Elizabeth was looking up at Daryl with her soft doe eyes. She gave him an endearing smile. He's sick. Besides. Besides what? I gotta pee. Every time. Daryl flashed that crooked grin of his back at her, the one that made her heart melt. Every time. He pulled the Camaro to the side of the road. Elizabeth opened the door, and before she could even get out, Emery was already pushing the seat forward, crawling past her, heading for the ditch. Daryl decided now was as good a time as any to get another beer, so he got out and went around to pop the trunk where he kept the cooler. Elizabeth crawled over the seat, following Daryl, where she could relieve herself and the relative privacy the Camaro provided while Emery was busy calling dinosaurs on the other side. Daryl closed the trunk, and with both sides of the road now otherwise occupied, he walked around the front of the car to stretch his legs. The Camaro's engine rumbled low, echoing back and forth against the trees, pulsing like a drum. The headlights glowed a sickly yellow, and when Daryl stepped into their beam, the shape of his body was carved into the night, stretching across the dirt until the light was overcome by darkness at the end of the Bragg Road. He sipped his beer. The remains of the depot were none too inviting this time of night, and the stories he'd heard growing up of the train wreck and subsequent spooks and specters and the like that since tainted its ground weren't exactly adding any curb appeal. The light from the car spilled over just far enough to hit the fog, blanketing the depot, washing it in pale chiffon that looked almost, well, almost ghostly. Daryl scoffed at the absurdity. He was never much of a believer, but he knew Elizabeth was for whatever reason. She had made mention of her family history and ties to the area, but never seemed like she wanted to go into detail, and he wasn't one to pry. And he enjoyed driving back roads, drinking beer, no matter the road. As far as he was concerned, this was going to be like any other of the many nights they'd spent out here. He'd drive to the inn, sit on the hood and drink another beer, stay until the others were good and creeped out, which usually didn't take long. You don't have to be a believer in the supernatural to know the woods are spooky at night for a number of reasons. Then make the long trip back home. A night like any other, that is, until he saw the light. It was hardly there at first, just a white speck at the end of the road. He couldn't be sure he was actually seeing a light and not just some artifact floating around in his vision, a remnant of the blinding headlights and one too many beers. But when he rubbed his eyes and looked back up, not only was it still there, it was bigger, closer. What the hell? The light was moving fast, growing exponentially like an oncoming train. He strained to listen for what? Anything. But all he could hear was a deep bass resonating from the Camaro, its exhaust keeping steady rhythm with the night. With his nerves getting the better of him, he turned back toward the car. Hey, y'all, check this. 
Elizabeth was on one side pulling up her britches, and on the other, Emery was picking himself up off his hands and knees, wiping his mouth on the sleeve of his flannel shirt. They hadn't noticed the light yet. Or would they at all? Was he the only one seeing it? Was it really even there? He turned back around to find it absolutely was, at least to him. And to him was all that mattered for the time being. Because the light was growing much faster now, and he could hear a faint buzzing sound accompanying it that hadn't been there a second ago. It was hard to notice under the idle of the Camaro, but it was there all the same, and it was getting louder, directly proportional with the growing brilliance of the coming light. He let the beer can slip from his fingers and drop to the ground, transfixed by the light and the sound and the myth, compelled to walk toward it, to greet it, to welcome whatever lies beyond, whatever it was. He took a couple steps forward and the buzzing grew so loud that the Camaro dropped to only a whisper through the woods. The light was massive, a wall of blinding white encompassing him, obscuring his vision. He was ready for what was next. He threw up an arm over his eyes, straining to see who or what held the light, but instead, out of his periphery, he caught a glimpse of Emery running toward him. Emery? Daryl, run! He heard Elizabeth's voice just before Emery tackled him into the ditch, just before the light flew by. He scrambled to claw himself to his hands and knees and look up to see the dirt bike to which the light was attached. Get away, asshole! The rider's mocking cackle cut through the rumble of the Camaro and the buzz of the motorcycle's two-stroke engine echoing on down the Bragg Road. What the hell were you thinking, man? Emery's question was reasonable. But Daryl didn't have an answer. He didn't have any words at all. Daryl, are you okay? Elizabeth choked out on a shaky voice. Did you see it? Daryl was looking at her, but not really seeing her. More so looking past her, like she wasn't there. She put a hand on either side of his face, commanding his attention. Daryl, what happened? The light. I saw it. It's real. And the light had felt real to him, at least until a maniac tore through it and damn near killed him. But with each second that passed, he grew more unsure of what he saw. Maybe it was only a headlight. Maybe that headlight was just brighter than anyone he'd ever seen. For all he knew, whatever he felt could have just been the shock of realizing a motorcycle is driving right for you and the fear of imminent death. What? Elizabeth was confused, but then again, so was he. You better run, you punk son of a bitch! Emery chased after the bike for a few lumbering steps, but there was no use. Are you okay, baby? Come on, let's get out of here. Generally, Daryl never let anyone behind the wheel of his Camaro, but as he currently found himself a bit out of sorts... He walked Elizabeth through, double-pumping the clutch to slip into second, and had her drive the last five miles on down to the end of the road. Elizabeth killed the engine, and they all got out. She helped Daryl to the hood of the car and made sure he was all right. Want me to get you a beer? Daryl nodded. Sure, that'd be nice. She had never seen Daryl look as scared as he did after the dirt bike, and that left her feeling uneasy. She walked around to the trunk and opened the cooler. That's all they needed. 
just calm the nerves, set things back to normal. They drove this old road all the time. No reason to let some asshole ruin it for them. Still, looking back up the Bragg Road now, it seemed forever long, and she wished they would have just gone home. The woods were quiet. The three of them sat in silence, absently sipping their beer, embracing the calming night. After a while, Emery laid back against the cold glass of the windshield, attempting to circumvent the spins. Elizabeth scooted closer to Daryl and ran a gentle hand across his back, hoping to provide what comfort she could, but uncertain it would really help at all. She loved the boy. Of that, she was undoubtedly certain. She knew they were young, but if he had asked her right then, she would gladly tell you her intentions were to marry that roughneck, the one her mama said wasn't good enough for her, the one she'd heard people around town refer to as sawmill trash. She loved him. Her dairy. What did her mama know anyway? I was going on about lineage and bloodlines and other such nonsense Elizabeth just didn't care to hear. And as far as the towns people were concerned, well, most were themselves employed at the very same mill as Derry, so to call him trash was just another way of saying, Kettle, meet the pot. Daryl looked down at her and forced a weak smile. It was almost back to feeling normal, but still couldn't quite shake the thought that he'd seen something they hadn't, a different light than the one they saw. Maybe they'd wait a spell before the next trip down the old Brack Road. Maybe they wouldn't be back at all. Somewhere to the trees, a whippoorwill sang out its own name, announcing the onset of proper night and that it was time to go. Daryl was feeling well enough to drive on the way back, but he was in no mood to take it slow. He wanted off that dirt road and back home as soon as humanly possible, faster even, as fast as Camaro possible. A rooster tail of dust flew into the night sky as he tried hard to push the pedal through the floorboard. The car growled down the road, and with the windows down, the cool night air was the shot of adrenaline they needed. So long, Braglight! Emery stuck his head out the window and screamed into the night. Emery, be careful! Elizabeth grabbed a hold of his shirt. You're gonna fall out! Loosen up, Elle! Come on out and enjoy the breeze! Give her some gas, Daryl! Daryl was always up to push the Camaro faster. He looked at Elizabeth, seeking her approval, and was met with a mischievous, lip-biting expression he knew well. Go on, he told her. I'll hold her steady. She smiled and climbed halfway out the window, one hand on the roof, the other still holding on to Emery's shirt. The dog tags rattled as Daryl downshifted and gunned it into a pleasantly surprising fourth gear burn. When the tires found purchase and bit into the hard-packed dirt, the car lurched forward faster than any of them had ever gone, surely too fast for anything evil to keep up. Elizabeth screamed into the night, looking back, watching the Camaro spit out the road behind them in a blur of dust. The three of them howled into the night like a pack of wolves, and while they couldn't speak for any ghosts who may be haunting the Bragg Road, their own spirits were lifted and unburdened. But like all good things, the moment was fleeting, and couldn't last in woods as dark as these. 
The shift was so abrupt and unexpected that when Daryl hit the brakes, Elizabeth thought for a second that she might actually go flying out of the car. She fell forward, slamming into the side mirror, looking down at the front tire only inches from her face. Before she could even process what was happening, she felt Daryl's strong hand on the waist of her britches, then the full weight of Emery as he smashed into her. The Camaro skidded across the road, turning nearly perpendicular to it and coming to a stop in the middle. Elizabeth pulled herself back inside the cab as the cloud of dust that had been chasing the car overtook it. What the hell, man? Emery adjusted himself back in the seat, spitting dust out of his mouth. You trying to kill us? What happened? Elizabeth choked out. Derry, what is it? Daryl did not answer. He just raised a shaken hand and pointed out the window to where the depot set fully constructed as shiny and new as the day it was built. Emery crept his head forward between Daryl and Elizabeth, struggling to form words with his trembling, slack jaw. Was that there a little while ago? Daryl pulled the Camaro into a crushed granite drive, where earlier in the evening there had been only a thin stand of pine trees. He killed the engine, and the three of them sat in silence for a Texas minute. None of them wanted to get out. None of them had even wanted to pull into the drive in the first place. They all knew they should have just driven on past the depot and let it forever stay a torn down heap in their minds. But as they sat there on the road, a light had come on somewhere deep inside the building. And not a harsh, modern bulb, but maybe the soft glow of an oil lamp. It was hard to say, because with each passing second, it got a little brighter and then a little brighter. Before long, the tall pane windows were all lit up, granting them a clear view of its warm hardwood walls. A massive stained glass window in the center glowed like a torch, illuminating the likeness of a woman cloaked in black with long locks of matching hair. She held a hand outstretched, as if to invite them in. They knew they should leave, but here they sat in the driveway inexplicably drawn to the light like moss to a flame, the woman in the window calling to them, the look on her face assuring them the flame is safe. Oh, y'all, they knew they should leave. The doors of the Camaro opened, and out they went, taking their first tentative steps toward the depot. Daryl made the stairs first, and when his foot hit the porch, he was staring at two tall wooden doors, hand-carved in ornate scrolling vines that was both beautiful and uncomfortable to look at at the same time. The porch ran the length of the structure, raw pine lumber so fresh he could smell it, so fresh the brands proudly indicating the boards had been milled somewhere in these very woods were not yet worn. In fact, the whole porch looked like it hadn't held its first step. There was a cord of split firewood neatly stacked between the front windows and two rocking chairs just down from that. A porch swing hung at the far end, and though there was something of a breeze blowing, it did not move. Curious as it was, they paid it little mind, instead focusing on the more immediate concern. The unmistakable sound of a latch being thrown, tumblers falling into place, a deadbolt turning. Daryl looked back to the doors, one of which was now slightly ajar. Hello? 
Daryl pushed the door open slowly. You see anybody? Amory was at the top of the stairs, but hadn't yet crossed the porch. Nobody. I think we should leave. Elizabeth was still at the bottom of the stairs. She looked back at the car. This doesn't feel right. We gotta check it out, Elle. Emery was chock full of nervous excitement. Where did it come from? Well, it didn't just appear out of nowhere. It must have been here before and we didn't see it on account of the fog. We were just out here last weekend, Daryl said matter-of-factly. This place is huge. They didn't build it in a week. Then how... She stopped, knowing there wasn't really any reason to ask. Let's go find someone and ask them. The three of them entered the depot and stood in awe at the sheer size of it. The place was a lot bigger than they had thought. The main room sprawled on like a football field. The ceiling was vaulted oak beams covered in massive sheets of glass that seemed twice as high as it did from the outside. Two flights of wrought iron stairs ran up to a catwalk that surrounded the second floor. A blanket-sized plaque hung on the rear wall, reading, Town of Bragg, established 1902. This place is huge. Emery headed straight for the stairs. I'm going to check up here. Daryl and Elizabeth looked through all the downstairs offices and storage closets and washrooms of the depot and found no expense had been spared on its construction. The craftsmanship was impeccable, architectural wonders from a time forgotten. They found themselves drawn to the sheer beauty, the elegance of its design, but they didn't find a single living soul. The sound of door locks clicking and tumbling came again. They both stepped out back into the main room and watched as the front door closed. Let's get out of here. Daryl took Elizabeth's hand and hustled to the door. Emery, come on, we're leaving. But when he grabbed the handle and pulled, the door wouldn't budge. Son of a bitch, is it locked? Elizabeth tried the deadbolt, but it wouldn't turn. Step back. Daryl raised his leg. If the damn door wouldn't open, he'd kick it down. He kicked as hard as he could, the impact echoing throughout the empty space, but the door didn't give an inch. The hell kind of wood is this? He kicked again and again, each time growing more frantic, more desperate. He took a few steps back. Maybe a run and start would help. He drew in a deep breath and planted his feet to charge, to plow through it if he had to. He bent forward, lowering his center of gravity, sticking his shoulder out to ram the door, and just as he took the first step, Hey guys! They looked up to see Emery standing at the top of the stairs. I found someone. Emery waited, unmoving and wide-eyed, as they climbed the stairs. He was as pale as a sheet ghost. Are you okay, Emery? Elizabeth felt his cheeks for a fever. Where are they? Emery jutted his chin toward a room at the end of the building. Daryl walked down the catwalk and stepped cautiously into an empty room. You messing with me? He called back to Emery. Elizabeth stared down the hall at the room. Look out the window. Emery yelled back. 
Daryl's footsteps thudded against the plank flooring as he crossed the room. There was a long, uncomfortable moment of silence. Then came a shaky. What the fuck? Elizabeth turned to Emery. What is it? I don't know. Elizabeth made her way down the catwalk and into the room where she found Daryl standing at the window. What is it, dearie? She took uneasy steps toward the window, not really wanting to know the answer, but needing to see for herself all the same. Look. The window looked down onto the field behind the depot. They had all seen it when they pulled into the driveway. The Camaro's headlights had shone out across it, casting an eerie haze on the empty field and the woods beyond it. But as Elizabeth stood there now, she was looking out over a crowd of people who, much like the depot itself, weren't there earlier. What are they doing? She couldn't look away. Something was off about them, but she couldn't put her finger on it. It looks like they're having a party. Daryl was looking over her shoulder. They all have drinks in their hands. Why do they seem so weird? They're not moving. Emery was standing at the doorway, still on the catwalk, unwilling to go back into the room. I watched them the whole time I was up here. Ten or fifteen minutes, maybe, before I called you. Not a single one of them ever took a drink, or talked, or blinked, or anything. The lock turned somewhere downstairs, echoing like a lightning crack throughout the building. The door. I'll check it out. Emery nodded, then headed for the stairs. Elizabeth? Daryl put a gentle hand on her shoulder. Where'd they come from? I'm not sure I want to know. When they reached the bottom of the stairs, Emery was pulling at the front door. It's locked. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Emery rattled the door. It's fucking locked, man. Then what was that? They turned at the whine of hinges to see the back door crack open just a little. It felt like all the air had been sucked out of the room. They exchanged a glance that said, What are we doing here? I just want to go home. I do not want to go out that door. But they couldn't just stay there. They all exhaled the breaths they were unaware they'd been holding and forced reassuring smiles for one another's sake, though each one was considerably less assuring than the last. And they headed out the back door. Y'all, the story is just getting started for Elizabeth, Derry, and Emery. The Depot, 75, Part 2 is available now. Drop by and say hello on the front porch of all your favorite social media platforms. The links are in the description. We'll see you next Saturday night at The Brag. Saturday Night at The Brag is brought to you by Barn Show Productions. 
It is written and performed by Brad Cullen Fleetwood. The show is produced by Brittany Renee Fleetwood, Morgan Taylor Ardwine, Cody Wayne Fleetwood, David James in Cardona, and Brad Cullen Fleetwood. The music was written and performed by Wesley John Quinn, Cody Wayne Fleetwood, and Brad Cullen Fleetwood. <laughs>